Keycard presents Back Issue Bloodbath with your hosts, Andrew Young and Petula Neal. With great power comes great responsibility. There also must come great longevity. Welcome to Back Issue Bloodbath. I'm Andrew Young. I'm Petula Neal. And this week we are looking at the miniseries Spider-Man Life Story, written by Chip Zdarsky with art by Mark Bagley. And it is the concept of what if Spider-Man aged in real time? If you were to look at the Marvel Universe, the idea of the entire Marvel Universe is supposed to have happened within the span of 10 years. And it's a sliding 10-year scale. But this story takes it of like, what if he actually first came on the scene in 1960 and it just kept going decade by decade. And as he went, he aged in real time and all the people around him did as well. And it is an interesting story in the sense that at some points it does play with the idea of the, you either die the hero or live long enough to become the villain. Because there are moments where Peter becomes less the Peter we know because of the amount of trauma he's gone through. He becomes definitely in a couple of the middle-ish books more it's giving more of the jake johnson spider-verse <laughs> it's become like for so many of us as you head into your 40 plus era it's a job mm. like this is the job and i'm not necessarily enjoying it anymore like i figured out how to cut corners like i figure stuff out but I, it doesn't hit me the same way but i'm also more frustrated and perhaps a little more ruthless than I would have been or less hopeful. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. It definitely becomes more of a job. And then it turns again when he gets older and it's almost like he becomes sort of like super earnest and sacrificing once there's, you know, new kids in the mix, not just his kids, but like the miles situation later on. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. When the book was coming out, I originally talked to Chip about this book and he said that, when he originally pitched this idea to Tom Brevoort, it wasn't a Spider-Man story. It was a Marvel Universe story. He wanted to do the entire Marvel Universe aging. And Tom Brevoort was like, how about we just center in on one character and then you can have other characters throughout it. But like, let's, let's do like Spider-Man because he's the heart of the Marvel Universe. Because in this, like, with the exception of like, uh, you got Spider-Man, you got all the characters that Spider-Man is connected with. You get a little bit of Tony Stark, a little bit of Reed Richards, a little bit of Steve Rogers. You don't really get the X-Men or anything like that. He wanted to do everybody. So he was going to follow like Wolverine from like the 40s to to now and ha show the Marvel Universe building up and everything like that. But Tom Brevoort was like, no, no, let's do Spider-Man and let's sit down. And so Chip actually sat down and looked at all the different eras of Spider-Man was like, how can we do this, him aging in real time, but still touch on these? And when they got to the clone saga, he told Tom, he's like, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to do the clone saga. And he's like, yeah, I want you to do the clone saga. He's like, do you really want to relive that? Cause you were the editor during that time. And, and not a lot of people love that story. And he's like, yeah, no, no, give us your take on that. And so he was able to work that in and give a much more coherent clone saga story and i think that's the key to this is that he was able to take the spider-man timeline and make it all make sense together it was fun and also a reminder of so many things that frustrate us <laughs> it's like because he's he's going through history 
you know, you get your fun stuff, you get your battle world. You also get your civil war and other crossover things. And it's like, oh, this <laughs> shameless money making crossover event. But it, it's just he dips in and out, but it it does a good job of okay, so we're gonna age him up to whatever decade he's in right now, and but then also show it's not about the event. It's about what's happening to this Peter at this stage in his life and to the people in his life back home when he's mixing it up and getting in these shenanigans or what it's doing to him based on what happened to him in the decade before. Mm. So with each progressive decade, I was always struggling with, but I want young Peter, which <laughs> I was like, okay, creepy. Yeah, that sentence right there, I want young Peter. Yeah. That's uh that definitely especially since the name is Peter on top of that. Yeah. <laughs> the sliding time scale, like I I want a Magneto I want okay. A Magneto that went through World War Two and the Holocaust. the Holocaust. Yeah. I need that character anchored there, but what I would like is also a Peter or Miles that is like still teen or teen adjacent. Yeah, no, that totally makes sense because it's like yeah. with the sliding scale of the Marvel Universe, technically Magneto can't be a Holocaust survivor anymore because it just would not work with the timeline. But yeah. as a fan, you want that Holocaust element still with the character. But then the fact that Reed Richards and The Thing – could no longer serve together in World War II, that doesn't matter because that doesn't affect their character. Yeah. So yeah, Spider-Man being inherently young makes sense to us because he's supposed to be the young hero who's always getting crapped on. Yeah. When and, you get, a, when you get you to the middle-aged man getting crapped on, it's like, we've heard enough of these stories. Yeah. Like, Shut up, you whiner. You know? Yeah. I do like that they remove some things. It's not like you have like a 40-year-old Peter bringing pictures to J. Jonah and getting, yeah. you know. Because, yeah, you, know, you know, at some point, Peter would have been like, listen, <laughs> I feel like late 30s at, at the latest, ideally, hopefully early, he'd be like, oh, hold on, hold on, hold on. Yeah. <laughs> You're going to take that bass out of your voice. First thing. Yeah, that cigar exactly. out of your mouth. We're indoors, sir. Nobody smokes inside anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. And that's the thing. Rightly, Chip takes uh, Peter down the uh, scientific route that when he comes out of university, he is, you know, a well-regarded scientist. He starts working with Reed Richards and others to create innovations. And uh, much to the chagrin of Tony Stark in this, Tony Stark is very much goes the full-on what we think of real billionaires, you know, <laughs> in yeah. this story. And I think the most interesting kind of side character in this that we see outside of the Spider-Man group of characters is what they do with Steve Rogers. Is that Steve Rogers goes to Vietnam and isn't like, hey, USA. He's like, no, you people are all fucking killing each other. So I'm going to be here and defend just the people. Yeah. Your two <laughs> armies, you're both on trial with me. Yeah. People who are just trying to like live their lives, like that's who I'm protecting. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, that's exactly what Steve Rogers would do. That's why in the comics during Vietnam, they never sent Steve Rogers to any of these conflicts because he would go against. What makes Steve Rogers Steve Rogers? Yeah, it's and listener, I'm not sure when you're gonna listen to this, but there's an episode in the new Tales of the Jedi with Count Dooku before he breaks bad. It's it's very that. Like some people you shouldn't send to certain conflicts because it's going to 
changed their worldview. And this is one of the few times when, whether it's a government shield, whatever, they're like smart enough to realize, let's not send Steve. Yeah. Let's not send Steve where, you know, it's like both sides are doing some pretty heinous tactics and leaving a lot of casualties. Yeah. Yeah. And also the people we're sending there, it's not entirely voluntary. Like, yeah. Yeah. We're giving people terrible choices like jail or exactly go go murder non-combatants in the jungle. yeah yeah tons yeah. of fun yeah oh, it, it's ew. anyway but okay but back to peter back to peter now the thing that i really dig in this story is how they deal with the ghost of gwen stacy because in the comics they've always done like the very loving portrayal of peter always thinks about gwen She's kind of like his guardian angel because, you know, she died and everything like that. So young. And Mary Jane's very accepting of this and always looks at her rev- with reverence as well. In real life, you're going to get annoyed that your husband is still pining for his dead girlfriend after 30 years. And that does come up and becomes a major problem for both Peter and Mary Jane. In fact, they, it causes a trial separation in this story. And it's like, yeah, that's the thing. If you were throwing your dead girlfriend as like a, like a saint, a martyr at your wife every day, she would get fucking fed up with it. She'd be like, listen, I'm a human being. Don't hold me up against a standard I'll never be able to live up to. Another great argument for everything that Cersei Lannister ended up doing. You know what? Like, <laughs> Lannister was just a body in a statue in the crypts. And yet, Robert Baratheon was constantly like, Oh, I'm going to go, let's go on a super long visit to my buddy. And the first thing I'm going to do is openly in front of the whole family and my wife say, let's go visit your dead sister's crypt that I was going to marry her because she was my one true love. <laughs> Offside, I, I'm not, Cersei, listen, I'm not giving Cersei a killmonger cut here. What she did wasn't <laughs> right. But what I'm saying is you're correct, sir. Yeah. 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 And Take so, that like- stuff inside. Go to therapy again go to therapy the only thing i say more consistently when we talk about marvel than charles xavier's terrible father is these people needed therapy yeah yeah you need someone to talk to about gwen so he wasn't like bringing it up yeah and so i thought like what they did with mary jane in this like they they get kind of deep with what's going on with her in certain issues they get kind of deeper with harry and what he's going on in certain issues and so like he really takes the opportunity to not just paint like peter as this great protagonist he shows that like hey here's the parts where peter fucks up over the years and this is how they affect the people closest to him or how as a peter who gets older would of course fall under the thrall of the venom suit not because it's got some sort of wacky alien pull on his brain but because as he gets older as you start to feel those aches and pains He's like, oh, well, the the symbiote suit will take care of that. Yeah. And so, like, yeah, when it's presented to him that it's like, oh, this is a symbiote. It's actually it's actually taking over. So he goes, goes, yeah, I know. But this is the only way I can stay competitive. Yeah. But my agita. (laughs) It's like, oh, man, my sciatic nerve feels so much better with this symbiote living inside me. Yeah. Yeah. It's like the moments like that where he he is adapting as he gets older and he's not making some of the greatest choices. And also, he's keeping his cards close to the vest. Like when the the thing comes out that Ben Riley is actually Peter Parker, he plays along. And then when he gets in private, he's like, yeah, no, I know you were lying there because I did the test myself. And I am the true true Peter Parker. 
So, you know, it's like he's now he's playing chess now as opposed to before where he was just like, go out and do the, the do gooder. He's actually like, I got to play strategically here with these folks because this is war. Yeah. From the third one on, he definitely gets better at figuring stuff out, which you would as you get older because yeah. wisdom like it are his physical abilities going down. Absolutely. But he's getting the benefit of experience and seeing how things are going and also the inheritors like i read that whole inheritors run which is ridiculous listener (laughs) like only read with some sort of mind altering situation and if you are living like clean straight edge like do whatever those people do like go for like a marathon run like right when it was when endorphins hit pick up that book like (laughs) It is. I see somebody like on oh, the marathon. I was like, okay, all right, yeah. I'm in the zone. Pulls out her back backpack, yeah. starts reading the comic while they're running. Yeah, like you might need somebody else with you to like pump your legs so the lactic acid doesn't build up. I don't know your life, people who do things. <laughs> again, I barely leave my house. Uh, I'm on an ISO period again right now. I'm happily back in sweats in my hobbit hole. I'm not about that street life. Again, not wearing socks. Can't remember the last day I put on shoes. Here's the thing. The inheritors, they made that interesting. They also showed that his offspring got the benefit of his experience Mm. and also got better at figuring stuff out, observing what's going on and like adapting versus, you know, trying the same thing over and over again in fights. That was probably one of my favorite things. Like, did you guys just have like a good, like it felt easy, but it also like it made sense. Like his yeah. kids, if they grew up hearing the stories and he wasn't like a completely like withholding, like secret keeping parent. And also they were aware of like strengths and weaknesses and like things to look at and like what to do to like protect mom and fight. Mm-hmm. Like there was some really good problem solving. Yeah. But I will say right there, it just goes to show that when you're dealing with trying to protect your family, it's better to be within numbers. It's better to be there as opposed to sending them away. Cause that was Peter's biggest mistake. He said, well, they're just coming after me. So I'm going to send them away. That'll keep them safe. It's like, no, you just made them bigger targets. And that seems to be like, that's the thing. Like when, so usually in comics and stuff, the parent usually always makes the bad choice on how to protect. And this is like perfectly exemplified in this story. And I know you are somebody that, uh, Kind of obsesses over bad daddies in comics. You're kind of like the uh, the go-to person right. <laughs> talking about bad daddies. Now, of course, this book does not feature your favorite bad daddy, but it features Reed Richards, who is also pretty high up on the bad daddy scale. And he kind of is, in some ways, a a surrogate father for Peter Parker in this, even though they're colleagues he is kind of giving him fatherly advice throughout. How do you feel Reed did in this story? Not great. <laughs> I, I'm going to say he had many bad sort of adult figures throughout this. So in a way, Reed only benefits from being compared to the Osborne family dynamic. <laughs> uh, also, uh, Peter has had in the past a similar dynamic with auto where it's like of all the people when he fights you feel like he he feels bad for auto and it's not like a straight up like you're terrible like i get that like you went through some stuff this transformation wasn't great for you i feel like peter with any sort of older dude in general there's always i think he's expecting to be either let down or hurt right so and especially in the whole clone story when it turns out like clone guys just like 
I just wanted a Gwen for myself. Like I just, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that was that the part most, pissed me off so yeah. much because it's yeah. bad enough to make a clone of her, but then to also put her into cryogenic stasis and let yeah. the clone go out. Yeah, thinking yeah, that I, she's the real I want, Gwen. I want the real one for myself, so I'm gonna Mister Freeze the OG. Yeah. Until I can figure out when I can like go away. And you know, he opened that up and touched her a couple of times. Oh, of course. Of course. Yeah. And like my guess is, I don't know if it says exactly in there, but my guess is the whole Peter clone was so that he could find a way to put himself within the body of Peter so that Gwen, real Gwen would be none the wiser. Yeah. 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 Anyway, which is, which is what like, that's the thing. People using Peter's body as Peter. That's the reason why I never got on board with the Dan Slot Superior Spider-Man stuff. It's like, uh, I can't really be like, oh, Doc Ock's reformed. It's like, no, he hasn't. He's pretending to be Peter Parker. So then this, like, it's sort of like, yeah, if you want to, like, take over somebody's body and pretend to be somebody else, that ain't right. Yeah. And we, and we get that with Miles in this one. And it's, again, it's very, very non-consensual. And the sort of mind palace fight is when you have... I the art in this is very I'm gonna say kind of classic simple Marvel. Yeah, Mark Bagley it, is known for having that kind of traditional style of like everything is kind of cartoony, everything yeah. is over the top. It's almost like give me like classic kind of silver age, but like make it now. Yeah. With the backgrounds and the detail and some of the other things. But that one where it's like, okay, let's strip away everything in the backgrounds and the colors because we're going to fight in like a good place level void kind of mind palace. Mm -hmm. And you see him with like kind of a mental version of the sinister sticks. And you have that moment of, oh, like his antagonist is all just like different like versions of like kind of bad dad energy. Mm -hmm. And yeah. he's been fighting like that whole thing his whole life of. He's sort of like a Sam Beckett, but instead of trying to leap back home, he's just trying to like get back to get to a dad. Cause even his, the closest thing he ever had to dad was Uncle Ben. Like we don't have a lot at all of a Peter in the comics with an actual father. And yeah. in, even in this run, we see his kids appear to be slightly more well adjusted than he is, but we also don't get to see a lot of him being a father because a lot of those key moments, including his children being born, he is somewhere else. He's literally on Battle World while his children are being born. Yeah. In this run. And it's just like even like key moments, his whole character thing is like about not being there. Yeah. So what has he learned from his experience growing up? He's learned some things, but something some patterns he's repeating, perhaps unconsciously. You know, I think the other thing that's interesting is kind of touched on again. If you're going to do a story where people are aging in real time, you're going to bring in some real world elements. And it's kind of played with throughout here that superheroes are kind of weaponized throughout this entire story, weaponized by governments, weaponized by people. And I thought that was really well handled in this. I thought like the idea doesn't go over the top with it. But does show that it's like, yeah, no, the, the military industrial complex would affect being a superhero publicly. The challenge of who he is and wanting to, as he gets older, have a family and also do R&D, all the things that we know are there in young Peter. I think that is why he's one of the characters on the slide time scale that they keep him. They try to keep him in like giving like at least an under 30s energy. Yeah, yeah. Because once you get there, he's not Spider-Man. He's not 
the Spider-Man that that character started as and was for so long anymore, whereas other characters can sort of have those life changes and still it makes sense with their whole thing. Yeah, that's why in the regular continuity of the Marvel Universe, Spider-Man having a kid is always either not brought up or will be derailed like it was in the 90s where they kind of just took it off the table. And uh, because, yeah, once you add that element in, suddenly he is going to be growing and changing in a way that he wouldn't. And so, yeah, so I think Chip did a really good job of like molding in this story by bringing in real world elements to the fictional Marvel universe and still finding a way to work with the timeline of Spider-Man's stories throughout the years. It's a very good blend. But one of the other things I thought that was great that Chip did was that he did all the covers for this. And the covers for each issue kind of look like Time Life magazine, you know? I was just going to say, the one of the best things, the, the covers are gorgeous. They're just so pretty. They're really gorgeous. You sort of know just from even looking at these covers, like this is something part of, but also a part. Yeah. So you can read this and it gives you like a lovely primer. If anything, for somebody who is thinking, what do I need to read for some of this multiverse stuff that's coming up this would be a good little run in the way that it kind of dips in but it just gives you one story that like isn't necessarily a real thing but it gives you a lot of bits and pieces that may end up getting pulled into future multiverse things either for this character or other characters yeah no totally and i will say the one thing about the art because again chip zadarsky was very happy to have mark bagley on the book he loves mark bagley big fan of him looks up to mark bagley but with the look of Chip's covers, it would have been cool to have seen this story through the eyes of, like, say, Apollo Rodriguez, who can do, like, this kind of, like, time-life kind of look as well. But, again, Mark Bagley does a good job of, like, bringing the fun to some darker moments in this story. And there are some beautiful panels. Some of the explosions, super pretty. Like I said, the one where it's, you know, the Mind Palace fight, like, that was so... But it definitely feels a little more workmanlike, but I kind of like that. It felt like even some of the older books, like when you go back in the Marvel Unlimited catalog and you're just reading kind of like updated color versions of old stuff. So it's giving classic energy, mm-hmm. but it's also giving you touches of different things that are happening across the decades in the style and the art definitely definitely but overall this is like a fun ride it's a fun ride and if you're a longtime spider-man fan it's cool to see this different interpretation on all the things that happened in peter parker's life throughout the decades in comics and if you're a a first-time reader and not that well known with spider-man it's just interesting to see the evolution of a superhero started as a kid and just keeps going to the point where they're an old man, an old broken down old man, you know, kind of like, you know, you go from say young spry, young rock to Mickey Rourke in the wrestler. That's kind of where you go from this. I mean, and you know, he's enhanced, he's aging better than he should, but he's still, he's pretty busted. He's still a broken down piece of meat by the end of it. Definitely. Yeah. Oh, man. But yeah, definitely people should check it out. Great work. Again, as you know, on this channel, we on this show, we're very much big fans of Chip Zdarsky. And this is another great story that he's brought our way. Well, we've come to the end of another episode of Back Issue Bloodbath with Tula. Tell the good folks where they can find you. 
at inchif.com on Twitter at obesacantava at O-B-E-S-A-C-N-T-A-V-A-T. And here with you. Of course, you can find everything I do over at geekardshow.com. Follow me on Twitter at geekard. Follow this very show on Facebook at Back Issue Bloodbath, where we post a new episode every week. Of course, the easiest way to make sure you don't miss an episode is to subscribe to us on your podcasting platform of choice. That way you'll never miss an episode and you'll, your life will be better because of it. I'm not guaranteeing that, but I feel like hearing us every week is uh, you know, a nice break from everything else that's happening. So this has been Back Issue Bloodbath. I've been Andrew Young. I've been Petonio. Have yourself a good...